0: It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I am joined with Nick Hamburger with the Quavos Campaign. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: Yeah. So the original egg white chip, I'm really excited about this campaign and this project. I mean, you guys crushed it on day one. You hit, you know, $10,000 goal on the first day in the first two hours. These, you know, high protein, low carb chips made from egg whites. I'm really excited to obviously taste them once you guys send them out. Uh, four different flavors. The campaign's done over 50K so far. Over 1,100 people have backed this campaign. So I've got to start with, you know, where, where did the inspiration come from to create Quavos?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'll take you back uh, about two and a half years ago. My co-founder and I had just graduated high school. So we had a lot of time on our hands that summer. And he was making eggs, which are kind of a standby for him because he's type one diabetic. And so eggs are low carb, uh, great convenient snack for him. And uh, we were eating some of those crispy pieces that are left in the pan when you cook an omelet, kind of the refuse. And uh, we were eating them we're like, hey, these are crunchy. These are salty. They're kind of like chips. But Um, It was clear to us that that'd be a much healthier base than potatoes or tortillas uh, for our chip. So we started playing around. And after about, I'd say, six months of development, but it was on and off, we uh, took the idea to the new Venture Challenge at UChicago, which is like an incubator course that's also got a pitch competition element to it. So we won funding there and kind of went off to the races after that. But uh, it started with this little idea we had in the kitchen.
0: Interesting. So, you know, watching the campaign video and everything... You guys dropped out of college, living in the parents' basement, trying to incubate this idea.
1: Yes, exactly. We're both living at home. Thankfully, we actually do have our own room, so uh, we don't have to live in the basement. So that was an exaggeration, but we're living at home, uh, out of school, and doing this full time because we had been working in school for about six months, and we're doing, I'd say, six to eight hours a day of work, and on top of four classes, and it was just killing us, so um, it was kind of just the logical move. Yeah, hopefully. I, I have two years uh, where I can take time off from Chicago, and, and go back without questions asked. So hopefully we'll know if we want to keep working on this at the two-year mark.
0: Well, it looks like there's definitely demand for this product out there with the early adopter Kickstarter community. So I definitely think there's going to be a, you know, continued growth for you and the team.
1: Yep, that's what we're anticipating and hoping for. So.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the prep work that you've done, obviously leading up to this active Kickstarter campaign, but building a brand from scratch. What, what prep work have you guys done so far? What lessons have you learned?
1: Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, before the Kickstarter, it was all about developing the product. So we spent those six months before the Venture Challenge and then about 10 months during the Venture Challenge and afterwards. So about 16 total, just making tweaks to the product and then going out and sampling with family and friends but also with our target customers who are ketogenic dieters and people who are into health and fitness and getting a couple hundred opinions on each iteration so we went to fitness expos we went to the crossfit games we went to gyms and to nutrition clinics and so you know we were able to kind of verify that the changes we were making were making the product better and then even when we were confident in the product then we launched uh, a controlled market test around Chicago and so we got feedback in store. We also sold some product online. And so we sold out of our product online and, and it was selling really well in stores. And so then we're like, okay, now we can turn on the gas and launch in a more public way and ramp up production, uh, which we're doing now. So that was the prep work on the product side. And then in terms of the Kickstarter, it was about 10 weeks where we just, we had first just talked to a bunch of entrepreneurs in our network, uh, got a sense of what to do, you know, planned out the video and all that. And so I think because we were anticipated it with enough time we were able to do all the groundwork um you know at a pretty relaxed pace and it wasn't too too frantic or anything which was nice
0: nice so you guys you know you had mentioned in terms of going after a few different like conventions or uh you know places that your potential target market was at from crossfit games to you know a few other potential health uh focused how did you go about deciding that that target market audience was the right fit initially
1: yeah it was just very clear to us from really early on that we wanted to target the low carb diabetic and keto community and the high protein community, which, you know, is typically people who work out a lot, lift a lot of weight. You know, it it just was obvious to us. And and in the venture challenge of course we did, they had us do exercises where we kinda ideated around like who would who would the product work for the best. But we just knew that egg whites were high protein and low carb and I mean Zach ate them as a diabetic. Because they're a convenient snack for him, so I guess it was fairly obvious to us early on. And when we started sampling with people, it, it validated our hypothesis that these this was the right group of people to um, sell to.
0: So, what tips would you have for someone else looking to develop a food product like this? Any that tips that would save them
1: time and money? Yeah, I mean, I, I think starting with a thesis about who the product is for and testing that is very important. I've seen a lot of fellow entrepreneurs who, you know, have a product that they've made that they think is really tasty or their whole family thinks is really tasty, but there's not a clear like, you know, reason for being. It's just another one of the same thing that's out there. And so making sure that you do have that kind of avid audience to go to right away is, is very important. And then, yeah, I guess I would say also, you know, getting, getting the manufacturing set is, is pretty important. So we had kind of a three month delay when we wanted to scale up and now we're starting to produce for this Kickstarter, but kind of being four to six months ahead of the game in terms of manufacturing is very important.
0: So talking about the Kickstarter campaign, you guys crushed it on the first day, hit your campaign goal within a couple hours. What do you think was responsible for that success? And how did you build that groundswell of excitement for launch day?
1: Yeah. So uh, it, it's pretty interesting, actually. Like We did a lot of lead collection via a Facebook Messenger bot where we got uh, a couple thousand leads. And we anticipated that that would be the groundswell you know, that, that brought a ton of traction early on to the campaign. And it turned out to be our network that really came through for us. We sent out an email and a blast text to like all of our contacts three days before the launch to kind of get everyone prepared. And then you know, the minute we launched and it, we don't have perfect tracking on this, but it seems like, I don't know, probably about 80% of day one came from our network. Um, so it, the, the messenger bot did okay, but didn't do nearly as much as we expected. And then our network blew us away with, with support. So I definitely would recommend leveraging, you know, everyone you've ever met uh, when you're launching a campaign.
0: So is that more through like LinkedIn connections or any email address that you had of your, uh, you know, closest friends or family or colleagues and then group them all in together?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was our friends, family, mm-hmm colleagues, you know, anyone I'd ever met while working on Quavos, who was in my Gmail. And then yeah, you know, all my phone contacts and phone numbers too. So just, you know, I, some people were annoyed, but I think we had about a 1, 1% unsubscribe rate from all of that. But, you know, it ends up being worth it because most people who who know you and have heard about your brand want to at least check it out and then potentially support
0: What's interesting is your campaign has a, a pretty high rate of first-time backers, around 35 to 40% of that. Let's talk a little bit about your experience with your backers so far. Now, given that a lot of them are potential you know, friends, families, contacts, have you gotten much feedback outside of your own circle? And how have you been managing that feedback with promoting the campaign and getting ready for manufacturing?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, since, since day three, I'd say most of the purchases now have been... You know, consumers and and uh, people interested in the product, not just the network. You know, there, there's been a lot of interest around the concept, which is, I guess, it is what we've expected because that's what we've seen so far. But people are really intrigued, excited to just see what what it means to have a chip made from egg whites. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, it seems like a lot of people have come from keto uh, websites or keto Instagram pages, and and they told us that. But then the other thing is that. A lot of our new purchases have been from people finding it uh, on Kickstarter. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It, it hasn't been the way we, we'd expected to get consumers. Like we thought it all all would come from that messenger bot and from our ads. And so it's been. We're very happy with how it's gone. But but uh, the traffic has come from different sources than we expected.
0: Absolutely. So what's been the biggest thing that you've learned so far in this whole process of launching a Kickstarter campaign?
1: Yeah, I I guess I guess two things. One one being when you're advertising, you, you have to have, you know, your PR or your ads going to people who use Kickstarter or Indiegogo, you know, from the ads we ran on our own and from this message about, we saw that like, if people didn't know what Kickstarter was, they just would not convert. They were confused about, we got some questions. What is a pledge? Is this an investment? Do I get product? You know, people, if you're not used to it, you just, it, it creates too much confusion for you to purchase in most cases. And then the other thing, which I I guess we knew, but really was brought to bear here is like, no one's going to come to your page unless you bring them there with the exception of the occasional Kickstarter internal promotion. But, you know, the, the number, the total will go dead for a couple hours if there's not an article or a post that's bringing people there. So it's just interesting to see that it it really is about kind of all the things you're doing (laughs) external to bring people there.
0: So what, if anything, would you do
1: differently if you're starting this whole campaign over again? Hmm. Uh, Well, I definitely wouldn't do that messenger bot, but that, that would have been tough to know. I guess, you know, if there's a way to spread your lead generation across different mediums, I think that would be advisable. Like we could have collected some emails in addition to the messenger bot and maybe also pushed for a couple articles to get posted like right at launch. So as much as you can spread the different methods of how you're bringing people, I think that means you're taking less risk on if any one method of of bringing people to the site fails, you've got you know a couple others because that day one traction is very important. And then the other thing I think is that we set our lowest rewards here too low. Uh, we have an ability for people to buy six bags for twenty bucks, and we thought you know that's going to help pe- bring people into the funnel. It's it's a low cost way to try it. But it seems like most of the people who are backing campaigns are, you know, if they're going to back, they're going to back. If they don't know what Kickstarter is or they're confused by it, they're not going to back. And so it's actually not so price dependent the way it might be on your website. And so I would actually now do maybe, you know, if you want to contribute five bucks, we can send you a shout out on our website or in a newsletter. And then maybe our first tier would be something like 40 or 45 bucks because it doesn't seem like price is as much of a factor as we thought.
0: Absolutely. That's really interesting, Nick. Well, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid
1: fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Yeah, let's do it. So what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? I had always wanted to run my own business. Zach and I, who's my co-founder on this business, were selling sodas in our middle school cafeteria and holding stocks in high school. So kind of always had that personality.
0: So if you could meet any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to share a bag of cuevos with?
1: I really like a guy named Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson, who founded Braintree, which ended up acquiring Venmo and selling for a lot of money four years ago, because he kind of started his entrepreneurial life with the goal of having a lot of impact and and helping a lot of people. And he failed at two businesses and it took him, I think, 15 years to end up uh, having a successful exit. But the whole time was motivated by kind of a service mentality, which I really respect. And so I'd like to hear kind of what... um, How he organizes his time now that he's made his money, but still has, he's still 35 or something, and has a lot of his life left.
0: Interesting. He's a first time mention on this show, so we'll have to make sure we link out to him. Uh, Who did you look up to growing up as a kid?
1: I looked up to a bunch of different people. Roger Fetter, I was a tennis player, and I just admired how he always seemed to have the right attitude. Not that, you know, he'd get upset occasionally, but he just really kind of just always. did keep his head up in matches, was able to shrug off losses and shrug off bad points. And I was not able to do that as a tennis player going up. So looked up to him. And then Nelson Mandela was the other guy who I was like, you know, the ability to be in prison for three decades and still have that sort of a positive outlook is, was pretty incredible.
0: Awesome. Uh, What book would you recommend to our listeners?
1: Mm, There's a lot of good books out there. I guess, uh, I'm a big fan of meditation, so uh, I actually have this book on my desk, but but there's a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are by Jon Kabat-Zinn, and that's really helped me a lot to clarify kind of like what you're trying to do in meditation, because without, uh, if you don't have a teacher, it can be difficult, and meditation has been very helpful for my entrepreneurial journey as well.
0: Where do you see yourself in five years, Nick?
1: Mm. Ideally, uh, exiting Cuevos and starting my next company, which... You know, I'd hope to be either a nonprofit or a social impact venture, not positive on, on what space I'd like to be in, but, you know, hopefully something relating to mindfulness.
0: Nice. Last question, Nick, what does the future
1: of crowdfunding look like? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I do think that the equity crowdfunding is going to become more popular, you know, so not the Kickstarter stuff, but the stuff where you're actually investing larger sums and getting a small equity stake. I know it only became legal in 2014 for unaccredited people to do that. And it's, you know, it's something we might do, but it's I've just seen so many companies raise good amounts of capital, you know, up to like $500,000. And it's quick. It's much easier than conventional funding. And you get all those brand ambassadors out of it. So I think that's going to grow. Um, and in terms of Kickstarter and Indiegogo, I think those things will will remain strong. I think a lot of brands are starting to see them as you know, it doesn't have to be done right as you're launching your brand. It can be launching a new product, you know, or, or after a market test, as in our case. So it's useful in a lot of different stages in your life cycle as a company.
0: Absolutely. Nick, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch. Tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check out Quavos.
1: Sure. So uh, we like to say that tasty snacks are unhealthy, and healthy snacks typically taste like cardboard. And that's where Quavos comes in. We're a snack without trade-offs or consequences. So we're high-protein, low-carb, high-fiber chips made of egg whites, the only egg white chip out there. So just a better alternative for that snack fix that we all need. And in terms of finding us, we're live on Kickstarter, and then we're going to be on Quavos.com after that. And we're trying to expand our retail across the country, hopefully to places like Whole Foods.
0: Excellent. Well, Nick, this has been awesome. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Roy. It was a lot of fun. Indeed. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests